Welcome once again to the Stevens family home and we've got a terrific message for you today. I'm going to be talking shortly about the truth about angels and how these are real beings, powerful beings sent by God to protect us at times like this. In fact, at all times you have to tune in and listen to this message because it's going to produce such a sense of peace and rest and security in your life. Every day in this 21 campaign, we're studying the Word of God, but we're also starting these sessions with a prayer, a song, a meditation on the Word, and then taking communion. Each one of those things has incredible power. You're going to be learning more about that for a moment, in a moment. But first of all, let's start with my son Titus. He's going to be reading the scripture and making a confession over that scripture with us that we're going to repeat. Let's read uh, Psalm 91, verses 5 to 8. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Let's just confess this together. If you guys can repeat after me. I am not frightened. I am not frightened by the nightmares of the night. By the nightmares of the night. Or by the arrows of the devil during the day. Or by the arrows of the devil during the day. I am protected. I am protected by the shield of faith. By the shield of faith. I do not fear. I do not fear any um, attack from darkness. Any attack from darkness. Nor from the pestilence in the noonday. Nor from the pestilence in the noonday. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. Because I am protected. Because I am protected. By the Almighty. By the Almighty. A thousand may fall at my side. A thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. Ten thousand at my right hand. But I will not be hit. But I will not be hit. I believe that my family and my house. I believe that my family and that my house. Are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Not a single plague will touch us. Not a single plague will touch us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. And now we're going to go over to Sylvie, who's going to lead us in a worship song.
talking today about the truth about angels and we've been spending 21 days under the shadow of God's wings meditating from Psalm 91 and here the scripture says in verse 11 no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling near your house for he shall give angels charge over you or they'll guard and protect you to keep you in all your ways, in their hands, not in your own hands, your own strength, but in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so we're here talking these days about the protection of God, the provision of God. Today, I really want to talk about protection more and how you are kept and guarded by the power of the Lord. And it's impossible really to talk about the protection of God without uh, talking about the marvelous presence and the work of his angels that have been sent here to earth with a divine responsibility to protect us. And really, as you read in Psalm 91 here about no evil befalling you, no plague coming to your house, not dashing your feet against uh, stones or things that trip people up in their lives that normally people fall down, you know, normally people trip up in the dark uh, or there are objects on the ground that they don't see that cause them to fall. There are so many things in this life that cause you to fall, but angels are here to guide us through the darkness and to protect us from those, those pitfalls and those objects that trip us up. So the work of the angels is really, really here. But all of those promises um, uh, come into our lives because of the presence of angels. And you may have been conscious of, of that or not. Today, through this teaching, you're going to be, become much more aware of the, the work of the angels um, around you. And because of that... As I said at the beginning, you're going to rest and have a sense of peace and security like never before, especially in a time when the world's in panic and the world's anxious and the world's worried that sickness and plague is going to get them. You won't have that because you'll know that there's an angel literally encamped around you, guarding you from these things. So the first thing really to mention is that angels are here to protect you, to protect you. And it's not a proud thing to say that. Okay, some people think, well, you know, how, who are you to say something like you've got angels on your side? No, we have angels as children of God on our side, not because of our goodness, not because we, we deserve that, not out of a, because we merit it in any way. To the contrary, the scripture is very clear that there's no good thing that dwells within us 
that we don't deserve the blessings of heaven. To the contrary, actually, if we look at, at ourselves and our own righteousness, the scripture says that, uh, you know, all of our righteous acts in the eyes of God are like filthy rags. So there's nothing in ourselves that attracts this blessing and puts us in a position through ourselves of having angelic support and help. But this is purely because of God's grace and his goodness, okay? It's his grace that has released angels to minister to us, to serve us, literally, to be at our side and to help us through, okay? And uh, so we need to understand that supernatural protection now is the portion of the children of God, okay? It's something that's, in a sense, in the salvation package. And there are angels available to you and willing to fight your battles, okay? Like we've been teaching on the other days and I'll continue teaching in the future. Um, when you abide in the secret place of the Most High, okay, then these incredible blessings come into into play, okay? So when you have that intimacy with God, when you're looking at him, when you're abiding in the word and abiding in him, then that uh, you'll see will activate angelic support and angelic protection all around you, okay? So they become your defenders. They fight the battles for you. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's, okay? And these angels are real and these angels are powerful beings hallelujah okay now interestingly the scripture that i just read is the only scripture that the devil quotes in the gospels and if you remember he does this during the temptation of christ uh whilst christ is praying and fasting uh during uh the time before he launches or is launched into his ministry and satan quotes this scripture and takes jesus up onto a high place and um, says to him, you know, literally quotes from this scripture that if um, he, he, he quotes this, he shall give you, he shall give angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so he says that when he takes Jesus up onto a high place and then tempts Jesus to throw himself off to prove that he's got angelic support all around him. Now, I just want to show you here the workings of Satan because principally he comes always to twist and pervert or make you doubt the word of God. And, and by doing so, he'll get you outside of the protection of heaven. And so you need to be aware of the strategies of the devil, okay? Satan, in his temptation of Christ, uses a wrong interpretation of the very word of God uh, to try and destroy Christ, okay? Now, Jesus, in reply, takes the word of God correctly in order to overcome this temptation. You're going to see it. And so this reveals, it exposes the devil and the way he attacks, okay? He'll tempt you through a twisted application of the word of God to cause you harm. Likewise, he'll tempt you to... Uh, to not believe the word of God. So if you remember there in the Garden of Eden, he tempted Eve to sin by questioning the word of God. He said, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So he questioned what God had said and sowed a seed of doubt, which then caused Eve to fall into deception and come outside the protection of God. And the rest is history, as they say. But here, Satan isn't 
questioning God's word, but he's tempting Jesus to misapply the word. And this is really important in days like today when there's sickness and disease around and so forth. Satan will tempt you to misapply the word of God. Okay. And so uh, that's his strategy. He might tell you, for example, this is this is the way that he'll make you not believe the word of God. He'll say something like, ah, angels don't exist. He'll put that thought into your mind. Angels don't exist. Um, just like he'll put into, the, into your mind the thought, demons don't exist. I don't exist. The modern world don't believe in angels and demons, you can be sure, because they can't be seen, they can't be touched, okay? And so Satan will come to make you disbelieve what the word of God says. That's on the one hand. Or, and this is the point I'm going to come to, he'll get you to misapply the truth about angels. And sadly, there are people who don't understand or they take this teaching of angels and they, they use it, they think, to uh, command angels, okay? Or they use it to tempt God. And they live a, a, a life that's a long way from God's will and they just assume that they will have angelic protection as they do that. And both those things are traps that the devil would have you fall into. Okay, so I just quoted what Satan said, and I showed you that it's really the whole of the whole of the spiritual battle is a battle over the word of God. Okay, so for example, um, when Jesus replied to Satan, he said, "Do not tempt the Lord your God." When Satan asked him to throw himself down off the building, and so Jesus is saying, when you misapply the word of God, you're tempting God. Okay. And that's a dangerous thing to do. So, for example, in Mark 16, we read this wonderful promise that if we take up anything deadly, if we eat anything deadly, it shall not harm us in any way. That's wonderful. Okay. But a misapplication of that word means that, okay, then number one, uh, I can go around and eat anything deadly and it won't harm me, you know. So I can drink poison. And because God's promised it won't harm me, then it won't harm me. But that's tempting God, okay? That's foolishness, all right? Because now you know it's wrong to do, and, but you're bringing in God's uh, promise here into a wrong situation. It's a misapplication of the word of God, and that's a dangerous thing to do because God, the way God leads you is in his will, in his ways, okay? So there's, there's that extreme that sometimes people fall into, and they think, okay, well, for example, I don't need to wash my hands now. Okay, because God said that, you know, my hands are anointed and that nothing evil will befall me. No, well, that's being foolish. That's tempting God. You should wash your hands, whatever. I don't know why people have only just started washing their hands. If you know a place is contaminated, then don't go there. Hmm? If somebody says to you, look, I've got a terrible, I've got, uh, I've got the flu and so forth, don't come near me then unless you're on a divine assignment to lay hands on the sick in that moment, then don't go near them because you've been warned it's a contaminated zone. So that's not tempting God. That's following his ways. That's walking in the light that you have. Do you follow? Because there are some people who just, you know, think, well, I don't need a shower. I don't need to care. No, there's a wisdom and a way that God will lead you. However, what this scripture is really saying, if you drink anything deadly, it shall by no means harm you. It's saying that if you don't know that something is deadly, okay, if you're not conscious of the fact, then that won't harm you. God will protect you, okay, because you haven't seen that, 
You've prayed over it. The Bible says that all food is sanctified by the word of God and, and in prayer. And so God cleanses everything for you. Okay, but if you know that something's off, there's something on the table, then it stinks, it's rancid. Or if somebody tastes it and said, ooh, that doesn't look, you know, smell right or taste right, or you see something, then of course, you don't tempt God in those situations, you don't eat the thing. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay, so this is really, really important because Satan will try and get you into that. Or on the other hand, he'll try and make you paranoid about everything. Like, oh, I don't know where this food has come from. I better go and check the cook. I better go and check the restaurant. I better go and check everything. No, relax. If you don't know about it, you can eat in peace. If you don't know an area is contaminated, then sit down and sit down in peace. Is this making sense? There's an incredible story of a young man in a Muslim country who converted to Christ and uh, in in the country in which he lived the day of your baptism was a day of public declaration that you were a follower of Jesus and that put you at enormous risk um, with your family because there's such a thing in those countries as honor killings and the Muslim people think that it is an honorable thing to actually kill somebody who converts to Christ because they are dishonoring their family religion and family tradition. And so when people get baptized in those places, they have to make a really uh, serious, it's a really serious and, and sober decision because they know that from that moment, they're putting their life at risk. And so this young man converted and he was considering being baptized and he was, you know, waiting to tell his father because he knew his father would find out. And, and finally, he says, no, I've got to do this. Jesus is the Lord of my life. And he goes to his father and he says, Dad, I need to tell you that I'm going to be baptized because I've become a Christian. I've decided to follow Jesus Christ. And his father incredibly said to him, look, You've chosen right, and you're following the true God. And I'll tell you why. Because I knew that you were already reading the Bible. I knew you were already participating in Christian meetings. I've been watching you. And during this period, I've tried to poison you three times. And normally, when people take that poison, they die immediately. I've tried three times with you, and nothing poisonous that you have eaten has harmed you. I know the real, true, living God is with you. Wow. Now, an extraordinary story, but also that shows that the man, the young man, was eating something deadly and poisonous without knowing, and the Lord protect him, protected him. Hallelujah. So here's the point, the first point. Yes, angels are here to protect you, but don't tempt God with that. Don't do something foolish. You don't sort of climb up onto the top of a building and, and say, you know, the angels are going to make sure that I don't dash my feet against a stone and then throw yourself off. That's called foolishness, okay? And the law of gravity will kick in pretty quickly. But the angels are there. When you don't know what's going on and you need divine support and, and protection, they're there to protect you. Hallelujah. Now, the second thing to say is that there are more angels with us than demon forces against us. And I'm going to use a story, uh, one of the most fantastic stories in the Old Testament, to show you this reality. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we read about the king of Syria who came against the king of Israel, okay? And he was setting up battle positions. But every time he moved to set up this position, Elisha the prophet supernaturally knew exactly where he was going to set up camp and he advised the king of Israel 
And that meant that the king of Syria couldn't find a decent position. So he kept moving to another place. And Elisha would know and send the king of Israel there and his army. And then he moved to another place. And finally, the king of Syria said, well, look, there must be a spy in amongst you guys, my counselors here, who's telling the king of Israel all my plans, all my battle plans. And he sought out a spy in amongst them. But his counselors replied, None, my, this is in verse 12 of chapter 6, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who's in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Wow. So this is, I mean, wow, this is just a, a, a preach in its own right about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Literally, Elisha, even though he was miles away in a different place, he was able by the Spirit to hear the words that the king was saying in his own bedroom, in his most private, intimate, enclosed place behind closed doors. You see, in the end, nothing is hidden from God. What you say in secret, what you say in open is known by God. And he can reveal those, those words, those thoughts to the prophets of the Lord. And if this happened in the Old Testament, this can also happen today with, uh, in the New Testament. Amen. And so what happened then, the king of Syria decided, okay, then if the problem is Elisha, I'm going to take out Elisha. And he put together a massive army to go and surround the town where Elisha was stationed because he thought, well, I'll get rid of Elisha and then I'll be able to take the kingdom. And I'm going to pick up the story in verse 14. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Look, he was doing everything he possibly could to take out the prophet. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant panicked, literally. And he said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Okay. And, I, you know, I'm jumping ahead a bit here. But is this not a picture of what's going on today? We feel surrounded by this alien invasion of virus and coronavirus and bad reports and fears. Like, you know, on every side, we're closing doors where, you know, we feel like there's this huge army, an invisible army of viruses against us. And, and so many people are panicking. Like the servant of Elijah saying, what shall we do? Is there nothing we can do to overcome the situation, to get out of something? The odds are stacked against us. And, you know, again, if you look at all the statistics that come through on the mainline media, wow, it just looks like you're being attacked. Nations are being attacked. Cities are being attacked on every side. And it's causing panic uh, amongst the people. We're just, or so many are just like the servant of Elisha saying, alas, alas, in other words, we're doomed. There's nothing we can do. We're overpowered. We've been undone. And again, people are like that. It's like, um, well, you know, we haven't got the solution to this problem quick. There's no vaccine. There's no medicine. There's no politician who's resolved it. We're headed for destruction and for disaster. Okay. But obviously the biblical story doesn't end there. And our story doesn't end there. So Elisha, verse 15, says, he answered, do not fear. And I say the same to you today. Do not fear. Do not fear. And I'm going to justify what I say through what Elisha said. Because our God is a God who doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he protected his people under the Old Testament, so much more will he protect his people under the New Testament. And I've taught you that before because the Old Testament brought protection because of the blood of animals. 
But the new covenant brings protection because of the blood of God's own dear son. Now, which is more precious? Which has more value? Which has more power? I'm here to say the blood of the eternal God has more power than the blood of, a, of an animal from earth. You can be sure. So do not fear. I just want those words to set into your heart and into your mind right now. Do not fear. And why shouldn't you fear? Elisha said it. Here it is. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you say, well, 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 hang on. What's going on here? What's going on here? What is he talking about? There's a huge army of the enemy against us. Um, and, you know, but now you're saying there's more with us. Well, who's with us? But the scripture goes on. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Hallelujah. So in other words, the, the young man, the servant, wasn't seeing what Elijah was seeing. And maybe you haven't been seeing what the scripture asks you to see right now. And certainly what I'm seeing because of the scripture here. Maybe you just see in the natural realm and you just hear the reports from the natural realm of the news and so forth. But there is an invisible realm out there. There's something you haven't been seeing. In this case, there were two armies. In our case, there are two armies. There's the, you know, in this case, there was the army of the king of Syria, okay? That was the first army. But, but around Elisha was the army of the Lord. The king of Syria had chariots of iron, but the army of the Lord, <laughs> had chariots of fire and I'll tell you which are more powerful are you hearing what I'm saying okay and the parallel is you know there's an army around us let's just call it an army of fear an army of virus an army of sickness surrounding our houses etc okay but there's another army there's a second army the army of the Lord which is the angels of heaven with chariots of fire hallelujah and they are all around those who fear God those who worship God. Hallelujah. There are many more with you than there are with them. Okay. There's a multitude, a myriad, ten thousands of ten thousands of ten thousands of angels. You have no idea about the population of heaven. People talk about overpopulation on earth. It's ridiculous. You wait till you get to heaven and see how many angels and celestial beings there are up there. Okay. So... Listen, let's just apply this whole principle here. Uh, there's a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. There are earthly powers and there are heavenly powers, okay? There are many more angelic forces with us, okay, than these earthly forces around us, okay? Now, Elijah, listen to me, he did not fear. And remember, this is really key. Because if you fear, you come outside of the protection place of God. When you rest in the secret place of the Most High, these promises come into being. So fear will take you outside. Fear will make you exposed. Uh, fear will take you out from under the shadow of his wings. So you don't want to fear. Do not fear. It's a command. It's an imperative. It's not just a good suggestion. It's not just, you know, please, you know, do as I do. No, no, it's more than that. Be, be, be fearful of fear. Fear is a destroyer. Have faith, not fear. 
Okay, don't don't. If you fear you're in the camp of the enemy, if you fear you, the 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 angels of heaven can't help you, so don't do that. Don't be tempted into fear. But the only way you won't be tempted is into fear is by seeing the invisible realm. Okay, the only way you'll rest right now uh, is by seeing something that you weren't seeing before in the spiritual realm. Now here's the point: Elijah rested because of what he saw. The servant panicked because of what he saw. Why? Because the servant was seeing the natural realm, but Elisha was seeing the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm. And the same too with you. You, know, you will know whether you're being spiritual or you're being natural by the, by the reaction inside of you right now. If you're panicking, you're just seeing the natural. If you're resting and at peace, then it's because you've seen in the spiritual and you've seen that there are angels all around you. I'm here to tell you there are angels equipped, empowered to protect you at such a time as this, okay? And they have got their swords drawn and they're ready to do battle on your behalf if you do not fear, if you rest. Because fear, what does fear do? It makes you take the battle on yourself. Are you following the logic here? It says, I, you know, I'm going to try and do it myself. And so when, when you say that to God, God can't help you. Fear makes you, in a sense, look at your own strength. Look to your own strength. But faith says, Lord, I trust in you. I rest in you. I roll my cares upon you because you care. And as soon as you do that, then God's army uh, gets into action. It mobilizes them. They've got their swords drawn already, but now they can fight the fight for you. So when you see, you rest. Hallelujah. Okay? And so we need to have a spiritual perspective on life. We need to see that there is um, uh, this angelic force all around us. And just finishing that story, it's very interesting as well that not only did Elisha pray that the, his servant's eyes would be opened, but the scripture says that Elijah prayed and said about the Syrian people who came down after him, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And the Lord struck them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. So literally, God opens the eyes of his servants, his sons, but he closes the eyes of demons uh, so they can't see you. And that's an extraordinary thing, okay? Literally, uh, those demons may have been, those sicknesses may have been sent by demons to get you, you know, fear. But God is going to hide you from them. They're going to be blind. They're going to go around when you trust and you rest in God. Hallelujah. And just on that subject, let's think about it. Because we, we often talk about, you know, I, I hear people talk so often about, oh, I sense the presence of demons. Okay. Did you feel, somebody once came to me and said, Pastor, can you feel the presence of the enemy here? And I kind of looked at him and said jokingly, yeah, I felt it when you walked up. I mean, the guy was so full of fear. Uh, so, you know, but some people are sort of more interested in the presence of demons rather than the presence of angels, the presence of the Lord. But as, as believers, as sons of God, you should have your spiritual senses awakened to the presence of, of angels. I know many times, I haven't got time today to talk about it, but many, many times when I've been ministering, I've sensed the presence of angels. Hallelujah. Literally standing by my side, standing behind me, going into the multitudes. I've seen them literally sort of, or I've sensed them, uh, twirling in the crowds and as they twirl it's almost as if the anointing of God is being uh, 
thrown out, sprayed out almost onto the crowd and people get filled with the Holy Spirit and healed. Remember, we did a very, very big crusade in a, in a huge stadium in, this, in the city of Sao Paulo some years ago. And the, the platform was like a, a boxing ring in the middle of the, in the, middle of the, the great stadium. Uh, people sat all around. And I remember that night that the, the sense of the presence of God was so strong. And suddenly the whole crowd jumped over the, 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 the barriers in, into this area that was free, the flat area at the bottom of the, the rafters and, uh, you know, the seating area. And they began to run around, people healed, jumping out of wheelchairs and things like that. And I remember afterwards, somebody said to me, somebody wrote to me and said, Pastor Giles, when all that happened, I'd, before that happened, I'd seen a huge angel beginning to twirl inside that stadium. And as he did, the people responded and were swept up into this sort of river of glory that he, he caused by his movement. And that, that's the angels of the Lord. Hallelujah. These things are powerful and wonderful. And really, that's the third point I want to bring to you right now is that angels are mighty, mighty creatures. Now, it's interesting. We're here in Brazil. Uh, um, you know, I don't know where you're watching this, but here in Brazil, we have a, a, a strong Catholic tradition and many of those traditions actually, you know, are, are very good. And one of the Catholic traditions is this idea that um, each child has a guardian angel. And of course, that is scriptural because Jesus says in Matthew 18, 10, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. So there's this understanding that, that people do have guardian angels. And in fact, in our church, we even use the expression guardian angel for a person who's caring for a new believer. Um, the only problem is sometimes that so often uh, uh, sort of Renaissance artists and, and so forth have painted angels as little cherubs, little sort of fat childlike cherubs with blonde hair and blue eyes. And of course, that's not biblical. So the first part is really biblical the second part isn't biblical because really when you read scripture about angels you will find that they are mighty glorious beings and more than that they're always depicted as warriors okay here in psalm 103 verse 20 and 21 scripture says bless the lord you his angels who excel in strength in other words you are mighty strong who do his word heeding the voice of of his words, they come to do the will of God. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Hallelujah. So these are absolutely glorious, powerful, warrior-like creatures that are real, really real. Okay. Now the Bible interestingly says that at the present time, in this dispensation that we live, that us human beings are made a little lower than the angels. In other words, in this moment, they have more glory than us. But Interestingly, the day will arrive when we human beings even judge the angels. Why? Because we will receive glorified bodies even greater than theirs. And that's some sort of thing to really be encouraged by. Um, but these beings are so, so powerful. Uh, again, it's interesting that you can read in the book of Revelation in chapter 19 that the Apostle John, uh, and, and, and before I say what I'm going to say, remember that John was the apostle that Jesus loved. He was the most intimate with the Lord. He would lay his head on his, the breast of the Lord. He wrote those terrific 
uh, letters all about how we've touched the word of life and seen the word of life. And so he had this incredible revelation of Jesus and the glory of Jesus and so forth. But here in, in the book of Revelation, he has an encounter with this angel. And the angel is so glorious that even the apostle John is tempted to worship him, worship the angel because of the glory of the angel. The scripture says in verse 10, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Okay. But that's just to show you that even somebody who knows the glory of Jesus, these, these beings are so glorious, so powerful, okay, that they strike awe into the hearts of people around them. And... So, and I just want to show you the, the strength of these angels so that you can really, really rest today. And there's another terrific story that's going to help us in the Old Testament. And, and I think it's appropriate to say it because once again, there are many people today who are being used to bring fear to God's people by telling them that us pastors and preachers, really, you shouldn't listen to these kind of teachings that that it's the politicians and the professionals, the specialists, the medical community who have the ultimate word on these things. I'm here to disagree with that. No, no, no. God has the ultimate word. God has the truthful word. And being a minister of the Most High God, then this is the word that is truth. Okay. And I spoke in another session about how truth is greater than facts. Truth change facts, changes facts. So it's not like we deny facts there are viruses and there are problems not that we deny that but truth changes that you can by speaking out the word of truth you can defeat facts you can overcome giants you can throw mountains into the sea you can relieve situations this is why i believe it's the church's greatest hour right now but there's an attack of the enemy to tell people now nah, you know those preachers they just talk in sort of fairy tale stories it's not really applicable for today absolutely to the contrary everything i'm saying right now is vital for you and something that you need to be saying as well to other people so um you know there are people telling us that we should fear that we should just listen you know forget our bibles uh there are other people saying that it's irresponsible for us to meet as a church i tell you that is one of the biggest lies you can hear because when the people of god meet to pray that's when heavenly power is liberated I mean, yes, we can pray in our, in our homes, of course we can, but actually there's a corporate anointing. Uh, and when the preacher gets up to preach and the people of God get filled up with faith, that is the, that is the solution to this world. And yet the devil's trying to stop us meeting. Uh, the devil's trying to shut us down. The devil's trying to stop us using faith. These days we would be called irresponsible if we lay hands on other people. Nobody, you know, you have to have social distancing to the point that you can't even lay hands on the sick. And yet it's these hands, it's not soap and water that's going to save this world. Huh? Yes, there's the level of natural wisdom, but it's, a, it's anointed hands, not washed hands with soap, but washed hands with blood, the blood of Jesus and then anointed with the Holy Spirit. That has the power, not just to protect you from sickness, but to heal somebody else from sickness. Okay, That's the truth of the scripture. But there are all these other people saying other things and trying to shut down the work of God. And let me say this, that ultimately, I believe that this whole pandemic is a, is a result of the rage of Satan against the advance of the church. We have been growing so quickly and so many people are getting saved. 
We're multiplying so many churches down here in South America and uh, other places of the world. Maybe not in, Euro in Europe, that's perhaps the one exception. But the church of Jesus Christ is advancing. And Satan's tried to shut us down in many different ways. Hasn't managed to. So now he's using this. But it shall, every weapon formed against us shall not prosper. And I believe that God's going to make all of this work together for good. So moving quickly here. There's a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 19. And it's a story of a, a king, Sennacherib or Sennacherib, his name, who was uh, literally conquering the different nations all around Israel. And he came to Israel and he said to them, listen, I'm going to do what I've done to the other nations. I'm going to do to you. Okay. And I'm going to pick up just a couple of verses. In verse 9, it says, So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah, the king of Israel, saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and you shall be delivered. Okay, so here he is trying to literally put fear into the hearts of the people of Judah, saying, look, what happened to the other people will happen to you. I've conquered the other nation, I'm going to conquer you. So tell your king uh, that that's going to happen. And don't, worse than this, don't listen to your king. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah was a man of God. So literally, the enemy was telling the people not to listen to the man of God. And that's exactly what's happening today. The devil is telling Christian people not to listen to their pastors, not to listen to preachers, not to listen to those of us who are standing on the word of God. But I'm here to tell you that's the enemy's tactic because he will destroy you. The one person you do need to listen to right now is the man of God, full of the word of grace and full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And this is this. And, and you'll see why, because God's on the side of those who are on his side, so to speak. Okay. And he came into this story in such glorious power. How? With angels. In fact, with one angel. With one angel. Verse 35 says this. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. 185,000 enemy soldiers killed by one angel in one night. I'm talking to you about the power and the glory of angels that are on your side. Now just think with me a moment. 185,000, that's an extraordinary amount of people. If you killed 185,000 chickens in a night, that would be quite some slaughter. I mean, just think about the amount of corpses lying around. And that's chickens. If you killed a thousand, killed a hundred chickens. My wife's fa father has a farm. If we killed a hundred chickens out there, that'd be like devastation. Imagine a thousand. Imagine ten thousand. Imagine one hundred eighty-five thousand. Huh? Or cattle. And I put it into human beings. That's a massive slaughter. One angel did it. Imagine if that angel had stuck around for two days, two nights. These things, these creatures, are glorious and powerful, my friend. And they're on your side, ready to do battle for you. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. Often, though, we don't see them, okay? We don't, most of the time, we don't see them. We don't even perceive them. But when you're resting in God, they're working 
all around you, okay? And that's what I want you to just have faith now. See in the spirit realm. You say, well, I'm not seeing anything. No, see according to the word of God. That is the spiritual realm. It's, it's revealing the invisible realm to you. Scripture says in Hebrews 13 and 1, don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Hallelujah. So, you know, maybe they'll appear in human format. Maybe you don't even see them. They're just invisible. But I'm here to tell you, they're on your side. Now, just quickly to finish now, I want to show you how you should relate to angels because, again, this is absolutely vital. You're going to see how you can even activate angels, so to speak. So, number one, you don't pray to angels or worship angels. We saw that. Okay? Jesus, um, if you remember, uh, when he was arrested, Peter cut off the ear of a Roman soldier. And so Jesus healed the man, stuck the ear back on, and he exhorted Peter and he said, look, he could ask his father uh, to send angels to help him here in Matthew 26, 53. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Now, I just told you what one angel can do. 12 legions, okay, it's a Roman uh, uh, military terminology here. 12 legions are 72 thousand angels okay but the point is this jesus said jesus didn't say i'm gonna i'm gonna command angels he said i'm gonna pray to my father and he'll give me angels so we don't command angels okay we don't pray to angels we don't worship angels but we can ask god okay we can pray and god will provide angels okay we don't order the angels but he orders them for us here in psalm 91 he sends the angels okay there's something that's in his power to do but we can ask in jesus name okay we pray in the name of jesus we worship the name of jesus all right secondly our worship causes angels to be activated our worship okay psalm 34 and 7 says the angel of the lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them now the word fear here often you think of sort of oh well it means that you know I, I need to fear I fear God I need to be fear. no God God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but of love of power and a sound mind so it's not fear in the sense of you know sent you know be terrorized by God or fear of punishment or anything like that actually Jesus clarifies what this word fear means because when Jesus confronts and responds to Satan during his temptation when Satan is saying, throw yourself down. Jesus replies, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Okay. And he's quoting here the very same Psalm, Psalm 34 and 7. Okay. So here, he's it's like he's, it's the same word, but he's, he's put a different, um, he, he's looking at it from a different angle. He's saying that, look, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Okay, that's what the psalmist said. But here, Jesus is saying, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you, shall you serve. So you shall not fear the Lord your God um, in the sense of tremble that you might be punished, but rather the word fear here means that you shall, that he encamps around those who reverence him who worship him, who lift him. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you angels you who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Okay, so 
It's not an open Bible by your door that will protect your household. Some people have their Bibles open with Psalm 91. That doesn't protect you. It's when you speak out the word of God, when you declare the word of God on your children, on your family, on all, that's what releases the angels into action because they come to do the word of God. And the word of God on earth is now done when it comes through the mouth of God's servants. Okay, So you, there's power in your mouth. There's angels all around you. I want you to rest. I want you to relax. And no, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord. And these mighty, mighty angels are with you to protect. Thank you so much for watching this video. We are changing lives and saving souls through the ministry of the Great Mission. And we can do this through the faithful support of partners and friends. And we invite you to visit our website now and become a helper in the harvest. This is the most important work on earth. There are many charities set up to help clothe people, feed people, but there's nothing more important than saving somebody and giving them eternal life. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and let lose his soul? In his viewpoint, saving a soul is the most important thing. Thank you for helping us. We're already saving thousands. With your help, we can save many, many more. We appreciate you.